Will you pray with me? We have spent many days in preparation. Today, cries of Hosanna fill the air, but soon they will be replaced by crucify. We have spent many days in preparation, but we come unprepared. We pray that you continue to teach us, silence the voices around us that cry out. Amen. Our scripture reading today is reflective of the, the highs and lows of this Holy Week. We begin with Jesus' triumphant, triumphant entry, and then we hear his last spoken words from the cross. And so we listen. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this. The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. Now as he was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent the stones would shout out. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Amen. On April 21st, 1947, a 21-year-old Princess Elizabeth declared her allegiance to the Commonwealth and to the family monarchy. In a broadcast from Cape Town, South Africa, she stated, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. Princess Elizabeth had no idea that in just four short years, she would take the throne and become queen following the unexpected death of her father. I wonder, 
Had she known in 1947 that she would so soon become queen, I wonder if she would have so proudly declared her allegiance. If she knew what it would require. Having read some things about Queen Elizabeth and seeing her speak about her allegiance to the monarchy, I believe that she probably would have. But I know that she did not intend to make good on her promised allegiance quite so soon. See, Queen Elizabeth knew that she had been born not just into a family, but born into a role. Her first role was princess, and soon she would become the young queen overseeing a commonwealth that was not prepared to lose their leader and certainly not prepared for a young woman to take the reins of leadership. But Elizabeth had surrendered to the calling on her life. She had surrendered to the role and the responsibility and each and every decision that she made through her entire 70 years and 214 days of reign she made with that surrender in mind. Being queen wasn't just a title for her. It wasn't convenient, she didn't necessarily even want it. But she had surrendered herself to what she had been called to do, maybe even born to do. Today, we hear Jesus' final words from the cross. Just seconds before he takes his final breath, we hear him loudly cry out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus may not have made his declaration of surrender on a worldwide broadcast from South Africa, but his loud cry of surrender has been heard around the world throughout the generations. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In that moment, and with those words, Jesus surrendered to death. Long before Queen Elizabeth declared and lived a life of surrender, Christ modeled what a life of true surrender would look like. Some would say Christ was born to die, but I respectfully challenge that idea. I believe that Christ was born to die and to live again. And in doing so, Christ models for us the truest Form of surrendered living. Christ lived an entire life of surrender. We see surrender as a bad thing, as someone imposing on us what we should do, what we will do. We saw Jesus surrender time and time again for the greater good. We saw him surrender at the request of his mother to make wine before it was his time. Yet he surrendered to the moment and to the request of his mom to come to the aid of the wedding's hosts. We saw him surrender into a moment of baptism that was not necessary for his sin because he had no sin. But it was necessary for us to see what baptism could mean for us. That we could die to our own sin and be born anew in God. We saw Jesus surrender to faith in God the Father in his 40 days in the desert, not giving in to the temptation of the enemy, no matter how hungry or tired or thirsty he was for relief. 
We saw him live into surrender in those 40 days. We saw Jesus surrender to the demands of ministry, being doubted and challenged by religious rulers, pressed in upon by crowds who wanted all of him, and eventually being betrayed and abandoned by his very own disciples. We saw Christ surrender to God's plan. We heard him say, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And now we see Christ see God's plan through to full submission as he calls out in trust that God will receive his very spirit in this moment of death. Over and over and over again, we see Jesus Surrender, yet we fight submission, surrender. These acts of surrender, Christ's actions, are the very basis for our faith. We are called into actions such as these. Jesus had a complete trust and reliance on God. That's the only way this type of surrender can happen. He had a complete trust and reliance in this moment and in every moment of his life. His connection to the Lord ran so deep that he was able to trust that God would make good come of the very worst moments of his life. Jesus, facing his fear, prays about an alternative plan to God's plan, but ultimately he surrenders saying, if it can't pass, then your will, not mine. In the worst moments of his life, Jesus surrenders in complete trust. He trusts that God will ultimately take care of him. He doesn't ask God as a plan B or C or D or E once he's exhausted all of his own self-reliance, once he's bartered with God and God has seemingly not participated in the barter. He doesn't run through every available option and then say, Lord, can you help? No. In this moment, we see that Christ knows that he and his life, his very human existence, belong to God. And it's been that way since before he was who he is. From the beginning of the beginning of Christ's existence to the very end, we see moment after moment of surrender. It began with Mary a confused and concerned young mother-to-be. As she answered, the angel heralded the coming Savior, saying, I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you've said happen to me. She didn't even understand everything that had been said, but she said, let it happen to me. Not why me, why not me? Let your plan be done. Jesus entered the world as an act of surrender on Mary's part and would exit this moment that we read in scripture today through an act of human surrender to death. That is a powerful lesson for us Christians and a call into action. We must learn to trust God in all circumstances, good, bad, and everything in between. We must surrender the very idea of self-reliance We must surrender to God, the creator of our very selves. 
We must trust in God as the foundation of our faith and our lives, even when we don't understand and especially when we don't agree. We have to know that God doesn't cause all things to happen, but God can make good come of all things that happen. I know it's difficult, feeling nearly impossible. But just as young Mary was told by the angel of her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the Baptist and of her own coming pregnancy with Jesus, the angel said nothing is impossible with God. That does not mean, Christians, that we'll always get our way. We tend to pull that one from our pocket. Well, God can make this happen. Nothing is impossible with God. No, God will make good come. Take a moment this very day to declare your surrender. It may not make the airwaves like Princess Elizabeth's Declaration of Allegiance. It may not be heard in as dramatic a moment as from the cross, praise God. But take a moment and intentionally declare your surrender to God. And then the work begins. Then begin to live into that surrender on good days and bad days and all the days in between. In times of anxiety and times of great calm, from mountaintops and deep valleys, surrender to the God who can make good come of all things for those who are called to his purpose, his purpose. And all God's people said, Amen.